1: So hands on show, so they drop me, or so they drop me down so long.
0: 855am, 3CR digital, 3cr.org.au and 3CR on demand, out of the pan with Sally. First broadcasting, noon till one, every Sunday afternoon. Thanks for your company. 3CR proudly broadcasts from the lands of the Wurundjeri people and we pay our respects to Elders past, present and emerging and acknowledge any um, Elders of any land who may be listening in. And of course, we've just um, moved through um, periods like um, Reconciliation Week, Harmony Day, and um, on Tuesday, Eddie Marbo Day. And we opened up today with um, Neil Murray and a track called Eddie Marbo. If you want to get in touch with the show, there's lots of ways to do it. You can email out of the pan 855 at gmail.com. You can SMS 61456. 751215. You can tweet at Sal Gold Said So, and that's the bottom line. And you can look for the posts on Facebook on my page, Sally Goldner and out of the pan, 3CR 855 AM Melbourne. And you can join in on Twitter, all those Facebook threads um, for live discussion during the show. And a reminder that every, anything I say on the show is my own personal opinion. And, um, Don't think there'll be any content warnings, but if something does come up for today, you can um, ring Switchboard on 1800 184527 as part of QLife, or if it's related to family violence, we do want to mention the number 1800 542 8474 with respect. Well, a few weeks ago on the show, on Idahobbit Day, I was joined by um, Gender and Sexuality Commissioner Row Allen and a colleague, and we can say um, a one time 3 cr presenter, um, had some thoughts about um, visibility of all of the Rainbow and Idaho Day, and it's good to be joined uh, on the various interwebs today by the wonderful Jess Eisen. Jess, um, well, we can say welcome back to 3CR. Yes, it's nice to be ah! back. Oh, and there's my dog in the hashtag, background. Hashtag radio from home in these times. Um, <laughs> it is part, it's part of it, um, you know, well, that that's your one for today, whether one of my. Four-legged friends who want to be a radio star today is another question. But importantly um, to do, because we value all gender identities on this program, um, I use the pronoun she, her, checking in if it's, if it's okay to ask which one pronouns you may use, if any.
2: Um, I like to use she and they. She
0: and they. And we'll um, clarify if that's sort of interchangeable or if there is a preference or it's just relaxed either way.
2: It's I'm pretty sure. relaxed, yeah, it's
0: pretty relaxed. All right, cool. So that, um, you know, is a good leading that we want to respect and value and hold place for everyone's identities. But, yeah, as um, you tweeted back on um, the afternoon of May 17th, we talked about visibility during Idaho Day and there were a few aspects of that. And I've got to say that the first Better Together conference, I wasn't at this particular caucus of, um, back in January 2018, But those who were at the Lesbian Caucus said there was some discussion about the search for a lesbian identity in these days, and that's why we wanted to have you on. Um, um, So, um, yeah, there was very much um, that issue. Um, And um, just wanted to get your thoughts on it.
2: Um,
0: Dive in anywhere you like, really. It's a big one, but we'll go for it.
2: Yeah, I guess I just was tweeting about how um lesbian phobia um was missing from um Ida Hobbit. And um as I was joking that if we put an L in there somewhere we could have Idle Hobbit. Um <laughs> but um yeah, I guess I just you know, look, Sally, it's not the cross I'm gonna die on, but it is um it is something that I just think about occasionally because you know, I, I work in family violence um, prevention and sexual assault prevention, and so I, I do think a lot around um, how, um, you know, think about the ways in which patriarchy functions in our society mm-hmm. and how that leads to violence. And then, of course, when you're um, someone under LGBTQIA plus uh, community, the way that misogyny functions and patriarchy functions um, has really specific um, has similarities to people in the kind of more cishet world, of course, but also there's real particularities that that we face. And then, of course, people might be multiple identities um, under LGBTQIA+. Um, and I think that lesbian phobia in that is, it has really specific ways that it, um, that it is used against us. Um, and I think it's got specific ways it's used against people under um, the rainbow you know, for example, um, trans lesbians, uh, intersex lesbians, uh, and then, of course, when people have um, other marginal identities, um, such as, um, you know, for people of colour or around disability and so on. I really think that lesbian phobia in in those instances is is quite separate to um, other other issues that we face. Um, And they're all interconnected, but I really think the acknowledgement of the ways in which misogyny is used against people who identify as lesbians um, is is a really particular um type of misogyny yeah so that was, was that a ramble i don't know if that made sense but that was a
0: really good ramble you you dived in um, in the, the deep end and well we've come up swimming with a lot of issues there and they're all you know particularly valid i mean gosh um, pick i could pick one to start with but i think you are quite right that you know, and I will say content warning for this. We do hear one item of lesbophobia, you know, and that well, I'll put it mildly. You know, if you just read the, met the right male, you'd be you know, you'd be cured, or that sort of thing. You know, ter- you know, that sort of stuff, and often it's you know combined, sadly, with you know huge amounts of violence. So that's something that can happen. And you're right that where trans women are denied their sense of gender identity, their lesbian identity is denied. then, of course, you know, um, the thing is, um, is a trans man, um, you know, a trans man who's now male, well, they're not a lesbian anymore, where do they fit? Um, The thing is, of course, we're seeing an increase in fluidity and how people use a label and everyone has the right to their individual label, total certainty on that. But some of the research that has emerged in the um, relationship area generally, whether it's violent or a quality good quality relationship is there people say yes I'm a lesbian oh but I was in a relationship with a non-binary person and I had some casual sex with a male so there's all of that angle as well Mm -hmm. um you know so it is very much this sense for an identity um very much that that is important from all of it I I I will say most of us a very large percentage in rainbow communities we have to Fight for our right to label, to borrow from Beastie Boys. Um, but seriously, it's a really big issue, and you've touched on lots of stuff there. So, how then, you know, for, and this is obviously your personal perspective. What, what, what have you? Um, perhaps if you want to talk about some of your own experiences in the, you know, the journey of identity, but also what would you like to see happen more nowadays um, in sort of these issues, or a couple of thoughts.
2: I guess for me, um, I, when I came out, when I came out, um, there, <laughs> um, I came out as a lesbian. Um, we didn't really use the word queer yet that much. Um, mm. I was, uh, you know, in, a, in the um, so-called Australia, that didn't come really to about the mid 2000s, I reckon, that it started to be kind of mm. used broadly Um, Before that, it was, you know, it was a slur against us. I mean, it still is, of course, used against us. And and I remember being called queer as a a kid. Um, Funnily enough, my last name also sounded pretty much like queer. So I did have that used against me a lot. Um, And so then, yeah, so it came out as a lesbian. And then I started um, identifying as queer. And um, I feel like there was this moment um, in the late 2000s where it was like uncool to be a lesbian. Um, and, um, and then now I've kind of come back to lesbian, um, and I identify, I guess, as a queer lesbian or a lesbian queer or whatever mm-hmm. it might be. Um, yeah, because I think that, um, there's some really great things about the term, uh, lesbian that I really strongly identify with. And I, I think there's just been so many amazing lesbians. And, and unfortunately, I think there's been some, a couple, some horrible, lesbians or Mm -hmm. so they call themselves um, who have um, taken up terrible amounts of space. um, And we just, you know, you know who I'm talking about. I don't even want to mention them. (laughs) Um, I I think actually though, like I know so many amazing um, lesbians and they've been lesbians at the forefront of so many different social movements um, and activism and there's, you know, and so I feel like there was a, a brush that tarred, lesbianism mm. um, I, th- I think I see that being lifted now um particularly as people are sa- I feel like there's a bit of a people starting to reclaim that term a bit which I think is really nice because yeah no it's not a um it's not a negative in and of itself of course people under the label can be but yeah so that's where I've kind of come with my journey um yeah personally
0: yeah i mean i agree with you we won't name the people that we probably both telepathically over the interwebs and radio airwaves knew who they don't deserve any more space what i wanted to touch on there was the thing you know you touched on the positives of, of of lesbian being a lesbian lesbian identity and i'm wondering if you can you know we can talk through fleshing that out a bit because it is really important for everybody to have those sense of positive. We know we face prejudice and challenges across all sorts of diverse communities. What are the positives for you, again, your personal stuff, about being you know the person you are in this way?
2: I love this question. It's made me so happy. I mean, it's, such, it's so right. Like, we're often talking about, and, and, of course, because we face a lot of um, issues, but it is so nice to talk about the positives. Um, I guess for me... Um, it's just I'm just so fond about um the, the the term lesbian and and my lesbian friends I think that um in our community there's just so many um there's a for a lot of people it's it's a commitment to building a better world you know so many of the lesbians I know are active in so many different social struggles um you know we drink lots of tea um there's a lot of <laughs> listening to Tracy Chapman. <laughs> Um, <laughs> I can see Sally laughing over Zoom. <laughs> um, and I, I think it, you know, there's, we, I mean, also we have great sex. Um, and I think that there's a lot of people in. When, when I think about the lesbian community, I think about how many people are are really committed to fighting alongside other groups. Um, or the groups that they themselves might also be part of, um, and, and building a world that's loving and caring, um, and that that's so important, and that's what we try to do with each other, um, as well as what we're trying to build. And that, to me, is what all activist communities, um, hopefully, are about as well. Um, so, yeah, not a, of course, yes, not everyone is, who identifies in any category is like one one way but mm-hmm. i mean, I guess we can say we're all one way we do all like tracy chapman <laughs> I,
0: I am i am thinking of um, um a song that michelle parsons um, performed <laughs> um, when she performs about um, um lesbians and yeah there are there are other ones as well and of course but as someone who doesn't identify that way i won't bring up um those stereotypes. I might just play Michelle's some at some point. <laughs> um, yeah. You know, you, you've hit on good points that, you know, there are these things that, um, you know, sort of for women attracted to women, including lesbians, there is that sense of having the intimacy and sex that you want, all jokes aside about that, that, um, you know, it just sometimes doesn't work out for um, you know, for women on any, on any, level, any level that um, to have Um, to find that they might not find the right male partner and there's that sort of issue as well but there is the issue therefore of um, and you know again um, the humorous intro was idle hobbit um, you know which does raise a point that you know homophobia to some extent can include lesbophobia but of course it's not the same so how do we um sort of Um, you know, tackle that one. How do we move that to a more, perhaps a more inclusive and visible space for lesbians um, on that day of May 17th?
2: Yeah, I don't know. And I think it would be really good because yeah, you're right. Like lesbian, lesbophobia, yes, there's similarities to homophobia, but you know, it's, it's so also particular the way that it it functions um, because of misogyny. And Mm. I think that, I think maybe even the broader issue than just uh, lesbophobia, though that's an important one to talk about, is misogyny in general, because I just don't think that we can rid the world of um, any of the phobias, um, any of the kind of, you know, um, transphobia, biphobia, um, and, and everything under, under, rabia, under the rainbow um, if we've still got uh, patriarchy, because they're so mm-hmm. intimately linked. Um, Never, And of course, as well with other structural um, oppressions as well, with with racism and ableism and so on, we will never um, be able to just get rid of one. They're also tied together. And so I think Ida Hobbit in itself needs to really consider as well how much um, patriarchy um, dictates the norms that, you know, is so about making heterosexuality the norm, cisgendered the norm, um, and... Anything outside has, you know, been oppressed and had violence against it for so long. Um, so, in, in it's yeah, it's just thinking about that um, it would be one of the is really really important. I think, um, and always in um, queer communities because also amongst ourselves, um, there's misogyny that occurs um, in in many ways, and that is also can be linked with um transphobia with racism and so on. So um I think we can never forget how much misogyny is a part of um it, it, well, yeah, everything, unfortunately. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So I think an acknowledgement of misogyny is, is the big issue here. Um that it, it sometimes doesn't get forgotten because obviously, you know, well, we we can't forget it, um, those of us. <laughs> um, you know, but well it's just it's everywhere. Yeah.
0: Yep.
2: How do, what do we, how do we address this? <music> was starting, I think what we've seen that any pre-existing inequality and discrimination was actually really heightened during the pandemic. For LGBTQ people seeking asylum, the differences were in the fact that, as any other asylum seekers, they are on bridging visas, and it is really difficult to find employment on the bridging visa. A lot of LGBTQ people seeking asylum are not eligible for Medicare, and so in situations before when they were able to work and had any specific medical needs, now there was no jobs anymore. People seeking an asylum are not eligible for any government income support, and so for many that meant that they cannot meet their health needs at all.
1: 3CR, your station in struggle and solidarity.
2: To donate, go to 3cr.org.au
0: 3CR 855 AM, 3CR Digital, 3cr.org.au and 3CR On Demand, Out of the Pan with Sally, having a great conversation with Jess Ison about the uh, issue of lesbian visibility, following from the um, Idahobbit discussion a few weeks ago. Let's return to that before we do. The music thus far on the program today, heard two tracks um, from people with either um, relevant background themselves or lesbian themes in the songs. Um, Mia Dyson from Parking Lots and Roll Me Out. And we also heard from Melissa Etheridge and Heavy, one of the leading out lesbians of our time. Let's go back to the conversation with uh, Mia Mia Dyson. That would be nice too. But also, rhymingly enough, with Jess Ison. Mm. I must admit I was having a discussion on, I'll just say related issues so as not to um, what's the term, derail our conversation with someone on, this, on, you know, on a Facebook message thread, um, you know, just very recently. And sometimes we feel like, you know, we're, we're trying to speak up about these issues and similar issues, both across broader communities and within rainbow communities, and it feels like we don't get traction. And I mean, you know if we stop speaking up they're definitely not going to get traction. But what else can we do? I, I admit I'm going to be honest as I'm a 25 year out person and I, admit I don't have all the I, don't, I didn't come up with the bat point with any answers. It was getting late and maybe the coffee had worn off or something. but seriously, it does you know we do face this and we, you know I, so I'm going to bring, actually bring in it well, I don't think it'll derail things and there, we do know there are hierarchies within the rainbow community. And there are elements of gay men, cisgender gay men, and some trans men who can be misogynistic, and some of it um is we'll say conscious and overt might be words we could use some of it, yes, and you've touched on this is I suppose that someone once said, "Do we all every human have some degree of internalized misogynism I don't know about everyone, but it could be a lot. But again, you know, we we you know we've got we've asked the questions. What are the answers? Um, how can we move forward on this? Maybe there's different roads to take. You know, sort of um, that you know we could speak up more effectively. It's a real. I admit I am still puzzling on this. So yeah, not easy answers at all.
2: Yeah, I think you raise a really important point because. There, you know, we we've been talking about that. This, you know, we've been, um, you know, cis and trans women and um, lesbians and, and bi women and and um, you know, you know, basically everyone who's not a, a cis gay guy. Um, we've been talking about the the range of issues that we face, but also that in those spaces that are, you know, like a lot of those spaces that cis gay men have are, um, you know, trans-exclusive um, and trans, they don't include trans people and they don't allow women in it. Um, there's so many of those venues. I mean, it's within our own community, the misogyny mm. and, and transphobia is just so full-on. And, I mean, I don't wouldn't generally even go to spaces that are predominantly um, male, gay male spaces because it, they're just not welcoming. It's not even necessarily sometimes that... I'm having rudeness towards me. It's like, i don't even exist. It's like, I'm a t- chair in the way. Mm. Um, and that, um, yeah, or there's direct misogyny, which is just unacceptable. Um, and something that of course we've been trying to talk about for a long time, but I think sometimes it feels like we've made no space, no, um, good movement there. It, it's, it can be very difficult. Um, but you know, I also have lots of um, friends who are um, gay guys, and they, of course, there's lots of amazing ones. Not all, not all gay men,
3: <laughs> but
2: you know, <laughs> it is a big issue, um, and we all we all know about it, though. You know, like mm-hmm. we.
0: <laughs> well, look, it is worth mentioning, and you know, and you raise a good point that we do want to treat take, take people, you know, treat people on on their merits, so to speak. And at the equivalent gay male conference at the two thousand and eighteen Better Together conference, the issue of misogyny from gay men was raised, which I think is very welcome. Um, that that sort of thing is happening, and there are some people trying to tackle this, and we are bridging, bridging sorry, into lateral hostility um, type of issues um, in so many ways. And of course, we do want to add in you know intersectionality that um, you know all other things being equal, a white cisgender gay male will have it easier than a um, a cisgender gay male of colour and so on, Um, Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander background gay male, all those sorts of things. I've just, you know, do need to be mentioned, particularly, particularly infinite, particularly in the light of the current climate um, that we're seeing in America and, you know, we've seen incidents even this week in Australia and, of course, the ongoing history thereof. So, you know, I think that... um, you know it's not it's not an easy one, I maybe well, um when we can get back to it a conference, <laughs> um, maybe maybe we need to we haven't there hasn't really been enough space set aside, maybe there is one that we just need to have some dedicated space, obviously we' need to have a good framework set up and you know counseling support and that sort of thing on in the background, so to speak, but I think maybe there is a space for that, maybe it's time it happened um what is the term if it has to be it is up to me well if it's up to us it's up to us or something
2: yeah I think that's that's a great idea I mean there's there's so so much to be discussed and and it's you know wanting to to be as inclusive as possible but also um, looking at different issues obviously different issues have um, different foundations and so needing to explore the the particularities of of different oppressions and um and figuring out how to dismantle those so it's a big task but you know we're we're all here fighting and it's what we've you know want to dedicate our life to is is making strong communities um and that obviously can't happen when there's um misogyny in 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 any community um let alone any of the other issues that we could talk about in the rainbow community so Yeah. yeah it's Definitely, life work to think about um, how to tackle how to tackle patriarchy.
0: Yeah, um, you touched on something in your opening dive in, which um, we need to mention, and it's actually quite timely. I mean, the, there's advantages and disadvantages of pre-recording the show, but I've actually just prior to this come off a and one of the training sessions I deliver where there was a lot of emphasis on the issues of family violence within rainbow communities. And before we go any further, please, 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 um, you are not compulsed to listen to this week, you know, in case something comes up and we will remind people again of the numbers for support being um, QLIFE on 1800 184 527, switchboard 1800 542 847, just in case they're needed. But um yeah, one of the—I mean—I'm aware of one story that came my way through focus groups, and I will give trigger warning for description of violence or content warning, where a lesbian couple was going through assisted reproductive um, treatment, and there were marks on one lesbian woman's face. But um, because women don't hit other women, oh, well, no one thought to check in for family violence or anything. So there is that sort of gender unconscious bias that can exist. So that's a lead into sort of these sort of things you know what in your work in family violence, what sort of things are there that um, may create lesbian invisibility, and um, how again how how do we start moving through to a better space where we hold space for everyone as the unique individual they are?
2: Yeah, this is a big question, isn't it because I mean the thing is um, you know feminists have been working so hard to have a space where even the possibility of violence against women was, was made visible, you know. Um, and so, and, and so much, you know, statistically, the majority um, is male violence against, you know, cis male heterosexual violence against a cis heterosexual woman. Um, and so um, that's been such a huge fight to even get that as, as being visible. And so many people have, have put so much work into that. And so then, you know, it it's becomes really difficult when um, you raise um, lesbian violence or any, any queer violence because, of course, then there's the, the right, you know, the right wingers who are like, well, yeah, it's not men and, yeah, and all these things that they like yeah. to say even in a well-reasoned argument. But I think that um, so much of the basis of of lesbian-based violence or any violence in um, LGBTQIA plus relationships is is so um, grounded in patriarchy and the ideas of control and ownership over another person. Um, And they're so often quite similar in a lot of ways. Um, There's particularities, but there's a, a lot of similarities. And so it's really getting... Um, to the root of structural oppressions to to deal with family violence. But, you know, in the short term, where we're not kind of unfortunately able to do that overnight, if only, Uh, in the short term, there does need to be um, changes to um, family violence organisations and sexual assault organisations because, you know, you ring up an organisation and the first thing they'll say is, who's the the man who did this to you, right? Mm -hmm. That's the first question. Um, but you might not be able to call QLINE because maybe the perpetrator works there, you know, like maybe the, or maybe they know your friend. Who, who, maybe they know the perpetrator, someone who works there or, because we have quite a small community. So you might, it might not be your only option to call a, a queer-specific service. So um, one of the big things that needs to happen is the continual um, training of services to be um, sensitive for LGBTQIA people um, and to really broaden out, um, I think the harder work is trying to really change the definitions of what family violence is because, of course, historically it's also been very um, based on the white family model. Um, and so there's a lot of, there's changes that are happening, but they do seem slow. Um, but there are services for people as, that people can listen to, uh, that people can get for support. Um and, yes, I mean, that point about Q line, I very much hope that no one there is a perpetrator, but I just wanted to raise that it's, you know, it's not, it, it can be not an option for some people. Um, and particularly right now when we're in um, COVID mm-hmm. um, with isolation, I mean, one of the things that we've, we're we going to see coming up, um, there was, from what I gather, um, for what I've been reading, there was a bit of a drop in family violence calls, um, mm-hmm. you know, there was violence. Um and the th- working theory on that is um, both that COVID was doing the work for the perpetrator, so they could, uh, you know, in a sense, yeah, not have, you know, could, they had control. So, um, but secondly, that the, the victim survivor couldn't call the service. So I think we're going to see a spike, um, you know. And if people are listening um, who are researchers, it's really important that we get some LGBTQIA plus research coming out of out of the crisis because. We need to know for future crises how things like this impact our communities, because there are specifics that are happening for our communities that will be different to cis heterosexual communities. So, if anyone wants to work on that research project with me, drop me a line. <laughs>
0: <laughs> we'll um, have make sure we have ways that people can get in touch with you actually if they do want to. But you've raised you know mountains mountains of good of valid points there too. You know, sew on the button. Um, because um, you know, I have to say uh, again, we, again acknowledging that patriarchy, we totally acknowledge we live in a society where the absolute numbers of those on the receiving end and damaged by this family violence, including intimate partner violence, will be women and children. But proportionately, you know, LGBTIQA plus are going to face roughly the same. And also, the nature of the issues could be different, such as a trans woman who's um, Told, well, you know, if you try to escape, I'll take your hormones away, or something like that, or trans man for that matter. Um, the, the complexities are huge. And I wanted to touch on a um, um, couple of things. One, I should just declare interest. Um, a few things, other things, that even if the person you ring at a queer service isn't, um, you know, sort of a perpetrator, they could still be someone you know, which makes it awkward. That's sort the of thing. We have such a small community. I um, wanted to touch on Ellen Pence and the four pillars, um, you know, of the existence of a power hierarchy, and this can be in all sorts of forms, gender, neuroprocessing, skin colour, all sorts of things could come into that. The ability to force those further down or at the bottom of the hierarchy to submit um, to that in a, a not consensual way. Objectification of those down the bottom of the hierarchy and the abuse of power at the top through punishment, violence, or coercion without consequences for the abuser. Um, So I think that's a really important model that can help us perhaps move through some of the gender unconscious bias and others as well that you know probably ninety-nine percent of we us have in some way to some extent, and often of course. I'm always a bit careful about these words, not maliciously, but we all can't, perhaps don't see things, you know, that are beyond our own lived expertise. Um, it can be very challenging. Yeah.
2: Oh, I was just going to add as well, the ways that um, violence can occur, you know, for example, we know between lesbians um, is not what the, you know, the, the world kind of, and, and of course we're pushed back against this, the world sees family violence as a man hitting a woman or a child, and mm-hmm. that's definitely the thing that happens, But there's a lot of other things that can and do appear in a family violence situation and between lesbians um, that can often be types of violence that are not that's the same as what we might kind of call, um, you know, what we might see as the physical violence and so it can be hard for people to recognise that that's happening, Um, you know, and and even people listening um, as well, there is a lot of um, great um, information out there that you can find around different types of coercive control, um, different types of um, abuse in that way. And so that's the other difficulty we've got to face because even our concept of violence is is really patriarchal, you know. Um, mm. So it, we're just, you know, yeah, let alone the, they're also very specific ones, as you mentioned, Sally, around hormone control or... Um, you know, threatening of outing someone—all um, of these things are, are so, so—they're just so horrific. Um, and 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 there is great research being done constantly, so we can try to understand this and 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 hopefully stop it. But it's still a big work in progress.
0: Well, very true. And even within rainbow communities, there does seem to be some research on cis gays, cis lesbians. But then, as we work through not as much I mean I must admit when I put into my search engine intersex family violence research I think I got four results full stop and there's not really a lot of research that is intersex focused and sadly there could be objection of intersex bodies is one logical possibility that could happen and so we need to look into that um the other thing that I was going to—I should just declare—as um, uh, do work for Transgender Victoria, which is a partner in the With Respect Consortium. Probably just make that um, declaration of possible interest in the situation. So, yeah, um, lesbians, in that sense, can get erased, again um, in patriarchal, um, gender unconscious bias sort of ways. Is you know an important factor to consider, and we need to make sure then that we are aware of that and hold space um, for those possible unconscious biases and um, stop them being conscious biases as well.
2: Yeah. And also, you know, we also have, um, you know, when a lot of the stuff I read, even the premise of the study is heterosexual, you know, like it'll Mm. be about a heterosexual family structure Um, and and usually, you know, and then maybe a, a white heterosexual family structure. So, you know some of the research questions I've seen posed to people in LGBTQIA+ communities. I think, well, this even the premise of the question doesn't capture because the person might be one of three partners. You know, so this we a lot of people might have in our community. Not everyone. Some people have um, monogamous um, relationships similar to to um, the kind of norm for heterosexuals, but a lot of people don't. Um, and so the even just figuring out what questions to ask and, um, and let alone for the people in them. If you don't even, if the research can't even conceive of a question, how it makes it very difficult for you to even conceive of it as a problem because the society yeah. isn't even giving you the chance to, to even make that even a possibility to conceive of. Um, and so that makes it very difficult to recognize um, you know, family violence situations, let alone um, get out of them. And so it's this, it's, yeah, it's kind of, it's a big, it's a big issue and and thinking about us as in our community, about ways of even speaking about it to be inclusive um, and broad, uh, I think is also really important. But I think we do that work and we're always trying to do that work around um, inclusivity in, in speaking, but we, of course, always need to, to do it more Um and and this is is a pressing issue um, to con- to consider.
0: Yeah, and you touched on a few things there. I know we a conversation started out about lesbian identity, but it would be you know I think a little remiss of me not to mention issues, say for bi women, for example, um, what could happen there that they ring a a queer service and you know someone does ask, well, uh, can you tell us about your partner? Well, he this, Well, why are you ringing this? You're a, heter- this service, you're a heterosexual. You're heterosexual. There could be that. Um, polyamorous relationships um, need to be considered obviously that can be a heterosexual situation or a a queer one or any point in between Um, and also asexual people who might be coerced into having sex which of course coercion of sex at any time for anyone's not on but particularly for someone who's ace um, that could be um, a real issue so yeah, um, we do need to hold space. But I think you're right. For all the things that we've talked about in invisibility, I think there is a bit of a movement happening at the grassroots where people are genuinely trying to hold space for each other in our commu- in the rainbow communities. And I have to say I was very... Um, um, Impressed is the word. We're at the start of COVID where people, have, you know, were sort of saying, well, hang on, I'm not of this background, but who are we consulting about, La is really good. And I think we are beginning to see that for all the challenges that we've talked about. The one thing that we do have a challenge on, which I think is worth mentioning, is um, there was a new national family violence um, inquiry announced this week, but I noticed on Twitter it was called. Let's look at LGBTI women, and then you think, oh, you've left out non-binary and trans men and intersex uh, men and intersex non-binary and many other people. And well, that's... I,
2: said, I didn't. I missed that Sally. I have to. I, in, the, in the one they've just announced this week, there's a specific line for LGBT. Women, that's what it says. Yeah,
0: it's, it says LGBTI women, which is so sort of you can see they're kind of trying, but they just haven't got it right. Um, okay. And it is so so frustrating for people like you and me and others who work in the space that we just seem to be, you know, not getting off first base at times. So we've got to um, now get our, our sort of inclusivity out to the broader community services if we're going to get more you know, people being able to access services respectfully and you know, in an equitable way as well.
2: Yeah, I mean, that LGBTI, you know, it misses um, gay and bi men and it's like, yeah, it's, it's so, there's so many issues with that. But this is, you know, what we're often having to work in and, and trying to, you know, as a researcher, I'm often having to fit, to, to use what we've got because otherwise, you know, we've been given so little at times and it's a kind of hard road to walk. Um, but there has been some really good specific um, studies on our communities, um, you know, by our communities, which I think is always, of course, um, the hope that we get to do do our own studies um, of of our communities because, um, you know, we bring our own perspectives that I just think get missed when we're lump- mm. when we're lumped in as a group, and then same with any group that's kind of lumped yep. in. That of course, where possible. Um, yeah, but, I mean, that commission came out of the Queensland one, right, where they closed it three months early. They hadn't had any submission or done any interviews. But, I mean, we've had the Royal Commission into Family Violence mm. here in Victoria. It's just another commission, another report, another whatever, parliamentary inquiry, um, and then they don't get listened to what we say. Um, so it's, it's, you know, it's always the hope that the next one will get listened to, but we'll see.
0: Yeah, well, you've hit on a point that, um, actually I'll withdraw that word, you've touched on a point there too, that Um, sometimes I feel like we have inquiries and yes, research is good. It's nice to back it up. But when we know that there are issues, sometimes we can feel over research and just want some action and funding for services too. And I think we know that people in our communities can be wary of, you know, will they get inclusive service? We don't want to be the unwanted learning curve for a worker who hasn't worked in a certain situation. So, you know, I think we, they are definitely frustrations, but I suppose We've touched on it we maybe answered our question question is push on and find different ways where we can communicate and share information and support each other. I I have to admit that the idea of a conference, um, I, I would, I will, I will assist, I, I always say jokingly, my idea of event organising is phoning for pizzas when people are allowed to come around to my place, um, taking a list. But, um, you know, I think there is something in that that I think could be very, very definite and maybe we've unearthed a bit of a gold nugget out of our conversation. So, Let's hope
2: there' one in in you know, all that long rants at each other
0: <laughs> well, I don't think i you know they're rambly rants, but they're good rambly rants, and I think that something will come out of and I think and who knows maybe even someone listening to this podcast will get a spark of something as well, and I think that you know sort of um put, you know shining the lights on things is sometimes what we have to do first, and I mean we all want to. I suppose maybe get from, you know, zero to the end point in, you know, way of a magic wand, but there rarely are magic wands. It is about putting in the effort. So I think that's a good note, perhaps, unless you've got anything else um, to finish on, um, perhaps we might leave it there.
2: <laughs> yeah, I mean the only thing that I would just yeah, reiterate the the great um, thing that you said, Sally, like that there, there's there's services out there and, and um and Sally's listed those and this has been a hard conversation but I think you know we can be proud of our communities, and we are working really hard, and we work together, and there are people out there who you can find support with and love, and Tracy Chapman sing-alongs. So you know, yeah, <laughs> keep looking, you'll find each other.
0: Yeah. Jess, an absolute pleasure. I'll make sure we also get contacts for you to put in the podcast links and under the various social media posts, tag you in, all that sort of thing, get the ones that you want. And let's see if we can get um, the collaborations we need out of this. Jess, an absolute pleasure to have you on Out of the Pan on 3CR today. Thanks, Ellie. You can see that this country is covered in the blood of Aboriginal people the length and breadth of it is a part of an undeclared war and a secret invasion. And it began 250 years ago, this year. Now, we have a country that's built on lies, deceit, fraud, propaganda and race hatred indoctrination. Now, it's been 250 years of us being oppressed in our own land, brutally. We might be oppressed, but we understand what freedom is and we fight for it every day and we've resisted this occupation since day one. And I predict colonialism, Capitalism,
1: imperialism is going to get knocked out cold by about mid-this year. 3CR, your station in struggle and
2: solidarity. To donate, go to 3cr.org.au.
0: 3CR 855 AM, 3CR Digital, 3cr.org.au and 3CR On Demand, Out of the Pan with Sally. Thanks to our guest, Jess Ison today for a wonderful conversation about the evil that sometimes is getting lost in there. And I was reflecting during the interview for a long time, the B got um, a needing space and didn't get the recognition it deserved. Now it does. Um, seem to be there, but are we losing there yeah, we We need to hold space for everyone, and so we need to just recalibrate maybe also heard today as our messages for our station appeal um to things um refugees with um the great voice of ten Dixon and also um then just prior to this um the issues of first nations and I can only just say simply in the time I have today I want to talk more about this next week solidarity to Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander people and, of course, African-American people of colour and similar in the United States, a terrible situation happening there. But it's one of the reasons um, that we need independent voices to support um, people who often don't get a fair go in a range of media and um, such groups are part of that, as are Rainbow Communities as well, this station represents. So please donate to our station appeal. You can hop onto our website at 3cr.org.au and donate um, because at the moment, of course, we can't do the radiothon that we'd normally be doing at this time of year. Uh, Hopefully do one later in the year, but we do need to have an appeal to just get us through a bit until we can do some stuff again and um, give it another shot. Anyway, thanks for uh, listening to Out of the Pan today or if um, hopefully might be soon be able to, a way to read what is said on the program. is a cryptic hint. Thanks for tuning in to Out of the Pan. Take it out today with um, someone who does some hard rocking female stuff and that's Michelle Parsons and Burning. I'm Sally Goldner. Catch you next week.